Hi there, and welcome to episode 20 of Murder's a Drag. With me, Aura Van Dank, your hostess with the motherfucking mostest. As I said last week at the end of my last video, we are now on, well I guess I can't say we because there is no team behind Murder's a Drag, it's just me, <laughs> out at .tv now, which is uh, the fastest current growing LGBT platform. They have a bunch of great shows on there, um, including my show now, and you can download that on the Fire Stick, your Roku, the Google Play Store, or the Apple App Store coming soon, not quite yet, but coming soon, summer 2020. In other news, my sources for this week are going to be the article on colorlines.com, a fantastic website with fantastic information, fantastic authors, by Jamila King, LA Weekly article written by Dennis Romero, a News Talk 1450 written by Kristen West Savali, Beverly Press article written by Edwin Falvin, and a HuffPost article very helpful HuffPost article written by Christopher Argyros. I think I said that right. I don't know. That was like attempt number four. I'm so sorry, Christian. That was not even the right name. As far as sharp tools go in the shed, I am a spoon. This week, I'm going to be using a legitimate makeup wipe to take off my eyebrows. And I'll be covering the life and tragic murder of Anaya Parker. Anaya Parker was born in November of 1966 in Arkansas during a very tumultuous time for the trans community and trans people. The fight for their rights was really starting to take off and people were starting to stand up for themselves. Not in history books as it should be and as we are fighting for it to be, the Compton Cafeteria Riots were one of the first, if not the first, LGBT riot fronted by trans women, specifically trans women of color, at Compton's Cafeteria in 1966 only three months before Anaya would be born. Have I gotten a matching foundation shade yet? Absolutely not. I am just using this um, as full coverage foundation by covering my face in it and covering up the fact that I'm not the same color as the foundation that I have. I'm broke, okay? <laughs> I definitely want to touch on the story of the Compton Cafeteria Riot because I don't think that it's a story that's told well enough and it's definitely not a story that's well enough known considering it is the first documented riot where trans women stood up for themselves. Compton's Cafeteria was a chain of cafeterias owned by Jean Compton uh, throughout California. This specific Compton's Cafeteria that I'm referring to for these riots was frequented by black trans women and drag queens because at the time, not that it's changed a whole lot now, gay bars and white cis hetero- pretty much white cis hetero gays, that doesn't make any sense, came and ruined it and rejected the drag queens rejected the trans people because they didn't fit into their weird self-hate world that they live in. So these ladies would go to Compton's instead after a long night of working, and they would go get drinks and socialize with each other. It was kind of like their safe haven because their other safe haven was taken over by the white gays. Guilty. Lots of um, black trans women and black drag performers would host some ballroom events at Compton's every once in a while. Um, and there is a sickening picture. I'm going to start pointing to the things I put on my YouTube. So, like, if you're going to kick that out of your club because you're a transphobe, then there's something seriously wrong with you. I mean, did you see that fucking outfit? Come on. However, don't celebrate that owner, Gene Compton, too much. He didn't necessarily let them host these events there. They just kind of did it because... 
zero to no fucks were given about that. But Jean would often call the police on people because at the time, female impersonation, now a term used to describe a drag queen like myself, was the verbiage used for a crime, which was a person like me dressing up like a woman um, is technically illegal, but they didn't take into account trans people who are women because they didn't see trans people as women. So anybody dressing or identifying as female is ruled out there. They, they're... They're illegal, apparently. So when Jean was present at his restaurant, he liked to cause problems and would call the police if he saw anybody presenting female that he suspected wasn't declared female at birth. On a night in August of 1966, it was going like many other nights. Uh, lots of trans women had gathered to socialize, kiki, talk about their day, talk about the challenges that they're facing in society at the moment when Jean Compton called the police because there was a lot of trans people there. When the police arrived and began trying to arrest some of these women, um, allegedly one of them threw their scalding hot coffee in one of the police officers' faces. Thus, chaos erupted. Beautiful revolution erupted. Dishes were thrown, furniture was broken, and their gorgeous new beautiful glass windows were shattered. All in all, people were fucking angry. And when the fighting inevitably spilled out into the street, somebody actually got super pissed, burned down a small stand outside the restaurant, and that's when things kind of started to disperse because it was getting out of hand. The next few nights, more trans women showed up, more people showed up to protest, they showed up to show support for the people who were being repeatedly arrested and repeatedly harassed just for going somewhere after work to have a cup of coffee and to see their friends. People were pissed and it was kind of the first time that people came out into the streets and fought directly against that police brutality and it was glorious. It was glorious. Probably going to do a full episode one day on the Compton Cafeteria riot. And for Anaya to be born in this time, was undoubtedly terrifying and intimidating for her, especially when she started to realize her identity as a trans woman. Later in life, Anaya actually moved across the country to California, no doubt because the mindset there is generally more accepting and liberal and not quite as hateful. Not to say that racism doesn't exist in California and transphobia doesn't exist in California because it exists globally, but much better than Arkansas. She was described as her friends and family as a very sociable person, kind of like an infectious energy to her. You couldn't not smile when talking to Anaya, and you couldn't not want to be her friend when you're talking to Anaya. She's the kind of girl that you would talk to and be like, okay, we need to go get drinks sometime because I need to know more about you. She was a very easy person to strike up conversation with. She was also very eclectic. She loved to search around a good thrift store and try to find some hidden gems, which all my queens out there know, thrift stores is where it's at. You get yourself a wedding gown from a thrift store, you put some more tools, some tassels, some rhinestones on it, and you have yourself a whole gown number right there. And you spent, what, $40 max, $250 at the store for that gown, and then another $38 for some rhinestones and glue? Come on. She was a thrifty queen, which means she was intelligent. Anaya was really good at making friends, and she had ended up making a lot of friends in her lifetime, which earned her a bunch of nicknames, including the family nickname Bally. 
Clearly, Anaya had a very good support system with her biological family there at home, and it seemed that her sisters loved her, although in some of the obituaries, the pronouns and stuff, I'm not sure how they felt about her transgender identity. Again, set up for success. She was living a successful life. She was happy. She had passions. She had a whole life. And although her life as a black trans woman was nowhere near easy, she absolutely made the best of her situation. On the night of October 2nd, 2014, Anaya was walking along the street in East Hollywood after another long day of working, obviously exhausted. When she approaches the 600 block of North Kenmore Avenue, she realizes that she's been being trailed by three men behind her. At this point, they begin to accost her and um, start demanding that she hand over her purse. After the obviously long day that she's had, she's physically emotionally and clearly exhausted in the video she is not having their shit and she's just resisting them she pulls out a pocket knife i forgot to contour my nose i'm a fucking idiot eyewitnesses saw that struggle continue to go on until one of the assailants the youngest looking one actually punched anaya very hard in the face at that point she dropped her purse and began to flee in the opposite direction of her assailants when another one of the men in the group followed behind her and got close enough to shoot her directly in the back through the heart. Lots of news reports will say that there was a gunshot wound to the head, but when I read the medical examiner's um, report, it said that there was one or possibly two shots fired at her back um, that punctured one of her lungs and went through her heart. So I'm not sure what happened, why the officer reported that it was a headshot victim, why any of that happened. It, it, that doesn't make sense to me. I don't know what, I honestly don't know how they could have messed that up. Anaya then continued to flee and tried to make it across the street before she fell against a lamppost and then collapsed. A bystander saw most of this unfold and called 911. The first officers that arrived, like I said, um, reported that they found a female victim lying with a gunshot wound to the head, which I don't understand that. Like I said, there were multiple recordings from CCTV footage of exactly what happened to Anaya, and at some point those were released to the media, and the media put them on the news for the public's help in identifying the suspects. That seems a little disrespectful to me, personally. And although it was very insensitive for them to release that footage that way, um, it did help the public pick up on something very important, and that was the fact that her purse was left at the scene, and where the police were trying to say that somehow this was a robbery gone sideways rather than one of the most targeted and murdered demographics in the world being targeted and murdered once again. It's not a robbery if they didn't take anything. I remember when that news broke, and... We were all outraged that another black transgender woman was murdered and another police department was refusing to label it as a hate crime because they didn't want the FBI to come in, step on their toes, and see that they're doing shitty work. Nobody wants the bigwigs to come in because then it reminds them that you are at the bottom of the food chain. Anyhow. Anaya's family, being as dedicated to Anaya and loving as they were, immediately got on the media and plead for somebody who knew anything or anybody who might know something to come forward and help them solve her sister's murder. Anaya's sister, Adrian Parker, told KLTV in an interview, 
I don't understand how young people could do such a mean and cruel thing. We just want to know why. We didn't get a chance to say goodbye. Our family is in deep emotional stress. One silver lining is that the GoFundMe page that was set up went viral and there was a lot of money donated to help with some of Anaya's final arrangements and to help give the family some financial help in the time where they're dealing with their sister's murder. Months later, police announced that they have found a suspect who is under the age of 18, so they cannot release his name, and they announced that they're looking for two more people involved in the murder and continue asking if anybody has any information to call them, and there's a $50,000 reward. Allegedly, this 17-year-old suspect admitted to detectives that he was involved in the murder of Anaya, but said that another member of the gang that he was in um, was the one who actually shot the gun, execution style, and killed Anaya. Two years later, in 2016, another arrest is made and details start to emerge from their side about what happened that night. Ulysses, silly, Carcamo, who was 23 at the time of the attack and murder, was arrested and charged with open murder, which means it could be first, second, third, fourth degree, it's open, it still hasn't been decided, and he's booked and starts to be questioned. The now 19-year-old, the one who was a minor, um, is revealed as Eric Carrillo, excuse me, Eric Loquito Carrillo, and he's charged with voluntary manslaughter because he's the one who ratted everybody out. Um, and finally, they identify a third member of the Clanton 14 or C-14 gang in California as Soldier. That was the other guy who was there. Only known as Soldier, or actually another nickname, Alcohol. Which I have to assume was translated from Spanish to English because I can't imagine a gang member would just call himself Alcohol. That just doesn't sound intimidating in the least. Simon says fight the war against fascism. The gang member's story about what happened goes like this. Ulysses, Eric, and Soldier were all hanging out on some dead end in the area, um, and they were smoking meth and drinking, just getting fucked up in general, uh, before they decided to go out on a walk throughout East Hollywood. Ulysses had a gun on him the entire time, which kind of indicates to me that if you're smoking meth and then you have a gun, uh, you're probably going to use it at some point in that night, or plan on using it at some point in that night. When they approached that intersection of Kenmore and Melrose, they claimed that Anaya approached them and asked if they had a connect, which means, you know, a plug for drugs, and they said yes, specifically Eric said yes, and then continued walking, and he said that behind him, Ulysses had picked up the conversation with Anaya, and that's when Anaya just suddenly pulled out a knife when she was politely asked for money because she was trying to make a purchase. Get the fuck out of here. When they attempted to rob her and Anaya pulled the knife is when Eric stepped back, punched Anaya as hard as he could in the face, and Anaya dropped her bag, dropped everything, and started stumbling away, fearing for her life. Ulysses Carcamo decided to walk up behind her close enough to shoot her so precisely through the left side of her back that it punctured her heart. Don't tell me that it was a robbery gone sideways. They watched Anaya stumble her way across the street and collapse, and then they took off. Now, this next part, I kind of had to piece together 
from the actual transcript of Eric and Ulysses' deposed testimony. And I also used testimony from some individuals who were named anonymous under the nickname SG. Now, somebody by that alias SG was an admitted heavy drug user and purchased drugs from people who were in contact with Ulysses and Eric and Soldier. So just members of the C-14 gang is who she hung out with. Now, SG says in her testimony that she had actually already identified that trio from the news clip that had Ulysses, Eric, and Soldier on camera. She knew who they were and she knew that they were together that night. And she also had seen them the night of the murder at some other gang member's apartment that she had gone to to go buy drugs. She said that Ulysses was there and he was bragging that he had just shot at somebody. He wasn't sure if he had hit them. Bullshit. He had changed clothes. All three of them had changed clothes since the incident so that they couldn't be caught. They knew they did something wrong. So this wasn't some self-defense, robbery gone sideways bullshit like they were trying to spin it. It was a hate crime, as they always are. On October 14th, 2014, Eric was arrested on an unrelated gun possession charge and questioned about the murder of Anaya because of the proximity of him being arrested with a gun and somebody having just been murdered with a gun. Eric had identified that random gang member alcohol by his gang name. He never gave his real name, so that man was never apprehended or arrested. And from the CCTV footage, he was just kind of an accessory, which is guilty and he should have been apprehended, but in these cases you take what you can get with justice and you fight for the rest. Being as young as Eric was, he talked way too much to the detectives and actually implicated himself in the crime as well. So, a few months later, he's arrested again in January for the murder of Anaya Parker. After he had positively identified Ulysses, Silly, what a stupid fucking game name. Like, I really hope that's translated from Spanish. I really fucking hope so. Silly is telling people that Eric is riding on him in prison and he's having people going and harassing Eric's little brother, telling him that if he doesn't stop telling, there's gonna be problems. But they're kind of a low-level gang. I think I read that they had 228 members total and in regards to what there is in California altogether, that is a pretty small gang in a pretty small area. They didn't have exactly the power they thought they had and people continued to rat on them because when it comes to drug addicts, they are going to sell you out first. And all of the witnesses, including that SG character and a few of the other anonymous ones, were also harassed about three months before the trial and threatened not to say anything and to not testify. They all still did. <laughs> Eric's charges lessened because he completely sold out Ulysses and anybody else that he could to get those charges lessened, and he got a nine-year minimum charge for voluntary manslaughter. He pleaded no contest. Ulysses Carcamo ended up digging his own grave because he's a stupid-ass bitch. And maybe it was from smoking too much meth, maybe it was because he's just a fucking idiot, but for trying to intimidate all those people, it got back to the police, and they figured out that he was doing that, and he was judged even harsher during his trial. He received two concurrent 25-to-life sentences, which maxed him out at 50 years to life in jail, having to serve a minimum of 15 full years before he's even eligible for parole. And as I said earlier, premeditation, he was found guilty of premeditation because he had the gun on him in the first place. Mind you, he's a felon, not allowed to have a gun anyways. Every intention to use it at some point in that night, and it was actually common practice for members of the C-14 gang to kill in the middle of the street to try to scare everybody into not snitching on them or just 
following whatever the gang wants them to do. And considering that they didn't end up taking anything from their alleged robbery victim, they were obviously found guilty. First degree murder, there was no robbery involved, it was just a murder. I wish it would have been classified a hate crime. Jailhouse justice, baby. Soldier, alcohol, whatever the fuck his stupid name was, was never apprehended, but I do believe that Anaya still got her justice. And I also believe that there's a fucked up reason why Anaya got her justice. And it also emphasizes why it's so important to keep pressure in the media and on the police to solve these cases and take it further. Because the people who solved this case would have never prioritized it if it weren't for the media awareness, public awareness, and the pressure that was being put on them because of that. Detective Ray Martinez is even quoted saying, It was a priority because of the public awareness of the case but it came together just like any other murder case. What a shitty fucking thing to say. To end the story on a somewhat positive note, here are some beautiful words from Anaya's sister, Adrian. With a heart of gold, befriending everybody. A giver with a sense of humor, Bally could always make you laugh even when she wasn't trying. Well, you know the drill. It's time for me to put on some lips, put on some lashes, and I will be right back, baby. Okay, so that is the finished look for this week. Another wig gig by my drag mother, Vegas Van Dyke. Clearly she has some talent here. I feel like a scene queen all the way. I'm wearing a thigh garter thing as a choker. I've got boobs out. I've got a little body harness going. I'm feeling really scene, really punk. Yes. Feeling the look for this week. Announcement-wise, you all know, download outapp.tv, Firestick, Roku, Google Play, and soon to be on the Apple Store. You can see me doing this, serving you what you want every Wednesday. Every Wednesday. Every fucking Wednesday. I hope you enjoyed this week's story. I hope you learned something about Anaya Parker. I hope you learned something about the epidemic of trans women of color being murdered in our country every day. And if you want to make a difference, as always, links are in my description. They're really helpful. You can learn, you can donate, anything that you'd like to do. Okay. I will see you all next Wednesday. Just follow my Instagram at murdersadrag for updates. I post pictures. You see the look. You see some shit. I don't know. I post dumb stuff all the time. Rest in peace, Christina Grimmie. This hair is for you. I know it's a little more punk than what she would wear, but I really, I really feel like Christina Grimmie in this hair. I'll see you all next Wednesday. Bye.